Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Wild Ones Podcast, Episode 2, the show where we chat about bike stuff. I'm Francis. This is Jimmy. I'm jet lagged. I don't care. We've got work to do, Francis. <laughs> I actually feel okay. How you been? Did you, have you not been using your jet lag advisor on your watch? I don't have that on this one. Oh, do you not? Yeah, it's only the new watches. No, I've, yeah. got, I've got it, but I don't go anywhere. <laughs> Can I borrow your watch? No. Nice then, man. No. no. Uh, so what have you been up to this week? Uh, I've been at Garmin Unbound in Kansas. I saw. I watched week. the video. It was a nice walk. For the audience members who don't know, big bike race, gravel bike race in Kansas, the heart of America. And the event was had very mixed reactions from the people who signed up to it and the media because there was a large section of walking at the start because the mud was like super, super sticky. They call it peanut butter mud in the area and it clogs up your bike and you can't ride it. I heard someone refer to it as a peanut butter mud. Yeah. What, what does that mean? Well, I don't know. It's just like Crunchy sticky. peanut butter. Yeah, sticky. So but it's like... so sticky. Like you, you're... you're not only it, it looks smooth, it looks rideable. It just looks like normal mud. Yeah. In the UK, we just do not have mud like this. You go through and your bike stops. You get about 20 meters and it stops. This, and then you try and push it and you can't push the bike either, obviously. This is an example of why cyclocross people have a pit lane and a second Two bike. bikes, yeah. And they just jet get wash. jet wash, next lap, jet yeah, wash, yeah. next lap. But that's English mud, that's bad enough. But this stuff was extra sticky to the point where, we, I mean, Jack brought a toothbrush. For, he stole it from the Airbnb. I hope he didn't put it back. <laughs> and he was scraping the mud from the inside of his forks and like away from his, like, you know, get it all out of the drivetrain and stuff. And then you'd get about 20 more meters or you could wheel it like with the front wheel only because there's more clearance for 20 meters down the road and then it would clog up again. So, so he carried your bikes the whole way. The mud was so sticky, your shoes got big. It was like hobbit feet. So you're walking along and you'll have big, heavy, muddy feet. Miles and then even that, you had to scrape it off with your hands. So you were stopping every two seconds. Though I don't know what the pros did. They must have just like jogged it kind of slowly. I mean, 
cyclists. Some of the pros really struggled because they're pro cyclists. They're not runners, are they? There is something a little bit controversial about your time at Unbound. What? You were meant to be riding the new Gravel L2 group set. <laughs> I was excited to ride the L2 Gravel group set. What group set did you ride? SRAM Rival. No, you didn't. SRAM Force. No. SRAM Red Mullet. <laughs> no, I had Rival Levers. Oh, Rival Levers. And Eagle Mech. Eagle there was nothing red on there. Only, only the crank set is red. <laughs> None of it was red. Actually, you know, no, think, and this is your fault. You did it. There's actually you took, the so Jimmy, parts. No, guys at home, you, <laughs> there's none of it is matching on that bike. We installed L2 RX, the gravel group set from L2 on my bike, which is hydraulic brakes, but mechanical shifting. And I was actually quite excited to test it on a very big, scary, long bike race. But I didn't end up doing it because Jimmy took it off my bike. We had a conversation where we was we we jested about there may be a possibility that you wouldn't get around Unbound, and that was probably because that the shifting just isn't very good with a fully internal cable because it's not meant to be like that. The frame is not designed for that group. Yeah, I think it's a wireless only frame. Yeah, so. When I was doing some bike build stuff with Nick. I the executive decision to... I scrapped the group set. I rebuilt it with the mullet group set that you had. Mm. You didn't exactly know that I was going to do it. Although we did joke about me doing it. And then you rode it on a, on a red one. But well. when you did do it and then I saw it, I was like, well, it's actually, it's better. It, well, of course it's better. It's a very expensive group set. Mm -hmm. um, was that the right decision? We'll never know. But you got around. Go around. You did. Uh, my bike's in a bit of a state now. So instead of ruining the cheaper group set, I've ruined the expensive group set. <laughs> Last time we talked about the Netflix show that's coming out, Tour de France Unchained. Yeah. Did you watch it? It's now launched. Mm. I've I've watched the whole thing. Have you watched the whole thing? Yeah, well, no, they you should binge watch it. Right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was weird. I saw some stuff in the media like, oh, we're going to be reviewing it every week or talking about it every week. I, in my head, I was like, oh, so they're going to release one a week or something. But no, it's just in true Netflix style, bang. It's all up there. You can just binge watch it. Maybe some people like a slow life and do things once a week to enjoy it more. I only watch one. One what? Episode. You've only watched one episode? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I enjoy the slow life. So you're going to watch, you're going to follow it along with, with me, the media world. And Maybe. Review it. With I don't know. I, the first one was all right. It was I, good. As a medium, you know, I used to be into pro cycling, haven't been in, you know, watching it very intently recently at all. I know some of the riders, I knew that it was good last year, the Tour de France. This series, it catered less for the beginner, like newbie getting into pro cycling than I thought it would. But it was good. I enjoyed it. So we specifically commented last week on how we don't follow pro cycling mm. uh i've watched prize of lots of people i've watched the whole thing and it has excited me to watch pro cycling again oh that's I, a good sign i've watched it in the past yeah. I, th I think last year was just a particularly busy year for me like i didn't i didn't even ride my bike let alone watch yeah yeah, riding yeah. Bike. but the thing is you you're starting from a position of like you ride a bike already you know the basics of race tactics you know that why riders ride behind each other Things like that, you know, really basic stuff. Yeah. But there's going to be people who watch this on Netflix. They click it and they don't know 
why is there a bunch? Why is there guys riding off the front early in the race? Why are they letting them do that? All these really basic things they didn't really explain. Do they need to know that? I, I don't know. I, I, it's as, very as hard someone, to put yourself in the... I need to ask someone who doesn't know anything about cycling. I don't know anyone. As someone <laughs> who's we... watched the whole thing, it is like... it's. I, I think it's a really good depiction of, of like the exciting thing. Like they've made something that's exciting. Mm. So hopefully what happens from that is people do watch it that aren't into cycling and go, actually, cycling is just really fast. There's loads going on. It's really like high octane and there's loads of energy. So it's actually something I will have mm. a go at and see what it's and like. Even even from episode one, and they covered mainly in that episode Fabio Jakobsen, who's the sprint. So when I like last year, it was a bit of a, uh, a bit controversial that Cav was not taken to the Tour de France by his team mm -hmm. by Quickstep, and some people were really upset about that because they were wanting to you know beat Eddie Merckx's record and all of that stuff, and he's coming to the end of his career. Would it be his last Tour de France? No one knew, and then they took a different sprinter instead. And being English, it's just like, oh, who's that guy? Like some, I can you know, tell you, I can tell you what but actually, he's a really nice guy, isn't he? And I, he had a cool backstory. Yeah. And I didn't know about that. I didn't know he had a massive crash and had to recover for it. Spoilers, guys. And it was great. It was really emotional. And it, just from uh, one episode, one and a half I watched. And just from that, I was like, I want to see how well this guy does. How is he going to get, you know, more stage wins? I, th I think what I've mostly got from watching the whole series is I'm, I feel like I'm back up to date with like who's who. Yeah. Because that was the thing, like, like we commented last time, like I just didn't know who anyone was anymore apart mm -hmm. from the old timers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a whole new changing of the guard, isn't it? You now it have, the, the hitters are pretty much all different. Uh, I mean, there's that funny clip, isn't it? Garrett Thomas, like someone pointing out when, when uh, Picaccio was born. And yep. it's like he was still in school or something. He was in high school. He was yeah. in high school, yeah. Yeah. And um, Vingegaard, is that how you pronounce it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So on Very the subject... Good. Uh, no, I have some, one more thing about oh. this, actually. For the viewers at home, turn off the dubbing. Did you watch it subtitled or dubbed? Dubbed. Okay. It's terrible. I thought in it was my fine. opinion. You think it's fine? Yeah. It's that weird kind of I quite like English it. voice over the top of... I don't know, I think uh, you're going to get so much more from it. I, admittedly, I understand quite a lot of French, so it probably helped. But I think with the emotion, because like we make videos all the time, it, the, with the emotion in your voice makes a big difference to the, the, the you know, perception when you're watching a series or anything on a screen. So having it in French but with subtitles, uh, you, you, you get the emotion of the riders much better. I, I definitely don't think it's as bad as people are suggesting in the media. I think the there are a few bits. Oh, it's like people have talked about it. I, I think so. Yeah. Right. There's, there's there's a few bits where it's like, oh, that does, that's a bit odd. Mm. Uh, I actually think the best bit about it is they've they've almost like staged a commentator throughout the series. So it's basically someone that's narrating what's going on and the actual like race bits of it, mm -hmm. but it's done in the style of a commentator. And it actually like just links it all together really nice and actually feels a bit like you're watching, like the, race. watching the race. Yeah, 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 yeah. For the next section of this, I want to give a trigger warning. We're going to be discussing serious injury and death. And obviously, I appreciate that isn't the sort of thing that everyone wants to hear. Um, so feel free to skip to the next section of this podcast video thing. The Women's Tour of the Pyrenees, professional bike race was cancelled by the UCI. 
because the riders were racing in unsafe conditions and the riders from the teams protested. There was issues with rider safety. And I remember seeing a few things that got posted on Twitter. There were clips of riders descending, having to overtake buses. Uh, there are cars coming the other way up the descent, um, which obviously is extremely dangerous. Why wasn't there a rolling road closure or closed roads for that? And that is what is being discussed very heatedly in the... Uh, Media right now. Presumably, even an amateur race, it's dangerous if the roads are not closed. Like yeah. it doesn't matter that like it's pros that it's. No, no, no. You, you seems... would, uh, for some reason you would expect more, but I think we all agree. If you are organising a bike race, safety has to be first in you know, before you even consider putting on a race. Do you want to read this quote that was in a French newspaper? quote from the organizers of the event themselves translated by my mum who is who french. is french uh so the quote says the girls have requirements that are not in line with their level they think that they are in the tour de france and that all the roads must be closed but in france you can't do that to be honest i don't think it's worth organizing this this race organizing this race for these spoiled children it wouldn't be beneficial for organizers only demoralizing that is outrageous. Yeah, that, if you're going to organise a race, you do it safely. The language in that as well. I'm, I'm guessing they had a rolling road closure, which is essentially NEG motorbike riders who are in the UK, they're called NEGs, National Escort Group. They go up ahead, stop the traffic, let the race come through, and then the other NEGs go ahead of the race and they become, you know, it's like a little leapfrog, so it keeps the race sectioned off from cars and they can't get in something has gone wrong with that and there's been cars on the course making it unsafe uh um, lots of times enough for people to complain and for the subsequent cancellation that's the thing is that that quote suggests to me that if that's what the organizer of the event thinks about the participants of the event they don't care well, of course they don't care. Which is, that, which is like, they, they actually don't care about their safety because they think they're spoilt children. That is... That boils my blood. They don't deserve to run a race at all. Um, I actually have experience of this kind of situation before. Um, so I was racing years ago in the UK. And I did a couple of races elite level uh three weeks apart these were the first one was seven bridge road race and the motorbike neg riders had gone up the road to uh to stop the traffic to keep us safe in the racing in the uk we are told to race on the left hand side of the white line you're not supposed to overtake those white lines at all what, what do you mean sorry so do you mean the centre line? Yeah, the centre line so of the road. you still stay on the correct side of you the road. You stay on the correct side of the road. Where you can. As much as possible. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, however, you're made, you know, in the briefing, it's like, we have a rolling road closure. This should be safe. Yeah. Um, at that time, and I'm not sure if this is still the case, at that time, NEG riders, the National Escort Group, have no legal power or had no legal power to stop cars. They could only ask so it's their presence. It was their power. Yeah. And unfortunately, in the first race, uh, a car had essentially ignored the marshal, gone around and hit and killed 
one of my friends who was over the white line uh, and he died there. Wow. Then three weeks later, almost exactly the same situation, but the person that was hit by a car head on uh, was one of the NEG riders who was training right. to be a fully fledged NEG. Um, so this has happened in the UK. Like I, I've been in races. This is, you know, a few meters away from me. And as far as I can tell, nothing's really changed. People are still, their race is being shut down uh, and canceled like this uh, in the UK because people aren't happy. You know, we get, they go, people are going over the white line too much. But to play devil's advocate, it's a bike race. It's very hard to stay within the white line. And yeah. if you want to move up, like I, I, I would, you know, uh, I wouldn't race on the open road again. And those incidents led to me quitting bike racing about five months later, six months later. Well, yeah, it's obviously, it's going to be, obviously it's the worst scenario for that, the, those riders and their families. Absolutely worse. But they're worst like, imaginable. The, the, the larger impact on everyone else is just, it's just humongous, isn't it? You, you know? know, part of me is like, yes, I want to support bike racing. I want to, the British cycling to flourish. When I say British cycling, not the company, I mean cycling in Britain to flourish. I want racing to be as well supported as possible. But races are being run within these weird parameters where the roads aren't closed. It's not even a proper rolling closure. It's like just one half of the road. Yeah. And you can't expect riders. Riders will never, ever stay within the white line all the time. There's always going to be people overtaking. And it's a race, of course. It's a race. It's it, like there's width in a race. You yeah. Know? In the key, like the crit racing I've done, like the, the tracks are always at least the equivalent of two lanes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's always full, yeah. you know, so it's just... Wow, mm -hmm. that must be uh, had a very definite impact on a lot of people. Yeah, but the fact this has happened in a pro race, it makes you just think like, okay, well, it's not, it's not because it was an amateur race that that was happening. It's just have you lack ever, of care. Have you ever witnessed a time trial in the UK? Yeah, because you haven't done. Have you no, I've done some. Yeah, after like a road time trials. Yeah, like that's always something. Which is makes a, it's a, a bit sketchy. It's a bit sketchy. Because in in this country, at least, they're always on. Um, open roads so there's also cars on the roads um they're usually on very significant fast roads mm -hmm. with roundabouts on and things like that and obviously they try and make them safe where they can but it always feels you're still pretty much on a motorway yes like it's big yeah it's big. okay it's not a, technically a motorway but it is and the, like the, the a3 there there'll always be roads that are used by cars going fast because they're trying to get home or they're trying to go on holiday and and don't want to be held up and then they've got a stream of cyclists that are then trying to overtake each other and not draft and and specifically stay away from each other mm -hmm. and oh, it just it just feels like a disaster waiting to happen yeah, yeah yeah a new study shows that cyclists wearing helmets and high-vis clothing are seen as less human this is new research from queensland university of technology and they asked 563 people their views on cyclists 30% said they considered cyclists less than fully human. <laughs> Researchers also tried to work out which images of cyclists people dehumanized the most, and the study found the most images of cyclists wearing helmets and safety vests, they were more likely to be dehumanized than we those wearing normal clothes. Cyclists with helmets were perceived as less human than those without helmets. Cyclists with helmets were also perceived as less human than those wearing a cap. Cyclists with safety vests and no helmets were still perceived as less human. That's crazy. However, 
I thought this study had already been done, and that was my understanding anyway. I've always known, well, uh, this discussion has been going on for a long time. I've done stuff with London Cycling Campaign around this before. Uh, I've made videos in the past on this topic. And I suppose this is a new study, which is reinforcing the already, you know, the things people already thought. But that was my understanding anyway, which is why I sometimes wear a helmet and sometimes don't. I've never seen you not wear a helmet. Because you don't see me riding around town? You, you used to you used to ride your fixie around town without a helmet. Yeah, yeah, around London. What's the perception of the viewers of your vlogs back in the day if you didn't wear a helmet, or people that didn't wear helmets? Uh, I get a few comments sometimes if I just wore a cycling cap because sometimes I'd ride uh, to go and film bike fit videos or something in in Richmond with James, and I would cycle there without a helmet on. Sometimes people commented on it, but not that many comments. Um, personally, I would wear a helmet when I do a, uh, a proper, you know, a, a longer road ride or go mountain biking. And I would, I like descending fast and I like riding trails. It makes sense to wear it then, but certainly around town, I don't know what. I always wear a helmet. And the reason for me wearing a helmet is if I was to have an impact, I'm more likely to survive it if I banged my head really hard. Sure. Um, obviously, this is specifically around the perception of people. This makes me want to not wear a helmet so that people give me more space on the road. Yeah, yeah. yeah. However, I'm still going to because I'm safer if I do wear one, in theory. Especially because yeah. a lot of the riding I do actually isn't on public roads and it's actually on paths and trails. Sure. Like the equivalent of, you know, I'm not mountain biking, but... If you're mountain biking, you're not on a road, you're wearing a helmet because it's safer. Yeah. Uh, or if you want to do bigger bigger stuff mm. and, and be safer in that situation. Um, I think a lot of the, the, the studies around helmets being, you know, if you're falling off at low speed, do they, do they actually help? It doesn't help concussion, for one. They don't, do not help with concussion because it's, the impact is still transferred into your head, apparently. Um, but statistically, helmets don't directly make you safer because there is all this other stuff you have to take into account if yeah. you're wearing a helmet this is using myself and as an example if i wear a helmet i'm more likely to, to descend at 50 mile an hour than if i wasn't because i wouldn't if i wasn't wearing a helmet yeah so the statistics yeah. are all skewed because of that right mm. this isn't a massive sample either 563 is not, not huge and obviously you don't know it's not that many people who those people are but anecdotally do you ever like having ridden with both helmets and not helmets uh anecdotally i notice people treat you differently right in cars when i'm in in lycra and you you look like you know what you're doing you look like you're a competent cyclist people pass very close sometimes on purpose aggressively because they don't like cyclists i assume whereas if you're just just as a normal person people give you more space well yeah this is this is saying that safety gear may inadvertently increase hostility and aggressive behavior sure. uh, towards vulnerable road users. I can believe that. Wow. Mm -hmm. we, we know. But this is not a surprise to me. You're no. saying, wow, is it a surprise? No, but no. <laughs> I, th I think the wow comes from... The fact people are dicks. It's proven. Yeah. Which is why it's wow. Yeah. It's like we know yeah. it from yeah. riding yeah. bikes. On the topic of helmets, there was actually uh, some bits around Italy recently. One of their politicians proposed 
mandatory helmet laws yeah. and number plates for bikes and all that, you know, the nonsense that gets talked about in the Daily Mail. Yeah, the, yeah. which luckily it got thrown out. But um, yeah, it, I, those just, it's a shame that, that it is brought up every now and then, isn't it? It's just like, it, it doesn't, we all know, uh, Australia is a great example. They brought in mandatory helmet law. So you have to ride with a helmet in Australia. Everyone stopped riding bikes. And the thing that really makes cycling safer, proven to make cycling safer, more people riding bikes. Yeah. Because it raises, you know, people are more used to cyclists on the road. It means some of the people in cars, more of them are likely to ride bikes and they become more tolerant. I have always said about, because, you know, we've both ridden a lot in London and people would always go, oh, riding in London, that, that must be horrible. And I've always said London's the safest That'd place. That's isn't it? Central London. There's so many cyclists that you, you swore. So many cyclists, but the, uh, the infrastructure's got better. Well, yeah, but That's even, the other even thing, without right? the infrastructure... They're like this, like if you're at a set of traffic lights, you're probably one of 50 if you're commuting. Hmm. Like a car isn't coming anywhere near you. No way, no way. Like no way. they're not able to go, like it's it's just safer because of the volume. Like Yeah, like, yeah. Whereas here it's a little bit less. So we're in Newcastle for the viewers at home. Uh, certainly in the surrounding areas, maybe not in the city centre, but surrounding areas. If you uh, filter up to, there's a red light and there's a few cars in the line. If you filter right up to the front, I've had people like, wondering what I'm doing, yeah. like surprised by it, as in like, who's this guy? <laughs> That's just the done thing and like, well, you're yeah. supposed to, there's yeah. a box at the front, there's a, yeah. uh, they call it an ASL, advanced stop line. Do they? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. Age, sex, location. It stands for, <laughs> and they, they, you know, there's a box that there. Was a good fact. But yeah, <laughs> both were good, they're both into different things. The box at the front you're supposed to stop in, and yeah, people up here, surprised sometimes. Um, I guess they're less used to it. But. I, th I think Chris Boardman, uh, the ex-professional cyclist who has done a lot of, um, I don't know how to describe it. He, he's very vocal about getting more people riding bikes. Mm. And I've definitely seen lots of stuff from him in the past where he talks about or, or, or pushes against the idea of mandatory helmets, mandatory number plates and insurance and all that because of what it's you were saying about Australia. into people exactly. doing it. And that's like, you know, kids ride into school and things like that. that there should be more of that, not less of it. Oh, totally. Uh, I, but the, on the other side of that, if having a number plate and insurance and helmet and tax or whatever the requirements were, if that meant that every time I rode my bike, the people in the cars that are arseholes go, oh, but he's he, he I've won because he's got a license plate. No, they're, they're it, not no, going to do that. But if it did, I would accept it. I had to circle back to the helmet thing we were talking about at the start. If you want to wear one, go for it. If you don't want to wear one, also go for it. I will continue to wear a helmet on all yeah. rides. What about a Hobding helmet? Oh, yes. I've, I've, heard, I've, I've heard of it. <laughs> do you know about yeah, it? Yeah, I, I know exactly. I know what you're going to say. And I have a funny thing to say about it. I looked it up. Me and Emily were looking it up the other day, and I'd, I'd always thought it was just ludicrous. Because they used to have one in Cloud9 Cycles, which sadly is no more. Um, and I remember seeing it back in the day and just thinking, that is just a joke. For the viewers at home, this is a device. Do they call it a helmet? No. I don't know. It's a thing that goes around your neck. neck. Yep. And when you, if you have a crash, not everyone crashes, not everyone's Nick. If you have a crash, it inflates and protects your head. Yes, it's got like the, the current versions of it have got like AI technology and 
it deploys in like under a second. I, I've seen the videos. It is I hope, honestly it was, I, I hope it was a lot less than a second. A second would be, what if you, you can crash in less than a second? 0.1 of a second, it inflates. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's 0.1. Is that, is that okay? Yeah, acceptable. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I actually watched some videos on it the other day and it's really cool. It's okay. obviously incredibly ugly, but I think if I was still living in London, I, rem I, I remember now off the back of this study where, you know, you're more human if you haven't got a helmet on. Yeah. If I still commuted in London, I would buy one of these mm. because you're going to look more human. I'd always commute in, well, quite often commute in normal clothes if I was just going to work and back from work rather than going for a ride around Regents or whatever. Um, and you're going to look good. It, the videos I've seen, it is legitimately really phenomenal. Okay. Um, I, I think it's cool. I think it's really cool. Nice. And, you know, in theory, if you crash, well, not in theory, if you crash, you're meant to replace your helmet. Yeah. So the same thing applies here. It inflates and then you replace you it. You put a new one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Very cool. Um, many years ago when I was just exclusively making vlogs, someone made fun of a yellow hat that I was wearing. So I replied saying, oh, it's a hat that inflates when you crash yeah. and protects you. And then for like a year after, he kept commenting, asking where he could get one. <laughs> I just never replied. Sorry. But what? Is it just like a baseball cap? or like No, it was like a beanie cap. hat. Oh, right. Mm. <laughs> Poor guy. We probably never got... Maybe he's found this. Maybe he's listening now. There you go. Ho ho Finally a solution. Hovding. Hovding. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ding. Jonas Vingegaard rode one by for a stage of the Criterium de Dauphiné. Now there's speculation in the press about whether he'll go one by for the Tour de France. Surely not. No, he won't. Of course he won't. This isn't the first time this season the pros have turned to one by. Uh, Roglic used a one by gravel group set on the final stage of the Giro, and Campanarts used one earlier in the season. I assume that was for aero gains. Um, my opinion on this. They, there is some situations where you can get away with using a one by gearing ratio, which is great. I would like to say that pros often do what they're told to do. Oh, 100%. And this could very much just be the marketing. We want to sell some, we want to sell exactly. some one by stuff. Like a prime example of that is, and we mentioned it last time, the specialized LA sprint. Peter Sagan used it in some race oh, yeah, once cool. upon a time. I think it was more of a critty race, like the Dauphine or whatever it's called. Great piece of marketing. Um, because they wanted to sell a bike, mm. and I'm sure it did really well. So perhaps this is just because manufacturers want to sell more one-bike groups. Mm, and then people talk about it on podcasts. 
there is definitely a hate for, for one by by people who haven't ridden one by possibly <laughs> sometimes um we did a video a couple of months back and one of the, it was pro bike mechanics 10 most hated products and one of the things nick said was one by he uh sorry front max front max yeah he is a big big believer of one by for all applications mm. he likes the simplicity of it you can account for it with different gear ranges and things like that there are obviously some negatives uh there are places that it makes more sense than others um I guess the question at this point is, do we think we are going to see more pros using one by, particularly in this Tour de France? It, TTs, potentially, yes. Well, I imagine they're already using one by a lot. Flat stages, potentially, yeah. But I, because um, I assume like the the benefits, well, particularly with like Roubaix and races like that, there were a few riders using one by yeah. because of chain drop. So they have like a small tiny like instead of a front make they have a small thing to do, keep the train on yeah. chain um alignment catcher, what do you, catcher. is it a chain catcher i think it's is called it, a chain catcher. chain catcher will be on the, on the inside on a, on like a two by system it's a chain guide mm. on a mountain bike which will yeah, the chain yeah. guide. um and narrow wide chain ring teeth because it doesn't ever have to leave the ring yeah. so you literally have like a wide tooth and then a small tooth and a wide tooth and a small tooth so it interfaces with the chain really nicely and you're very unlikely for the chain to come off yeah so in that situation when you're bouncing over cobbles or you're doing a tt and you do not want your chain to drop and you're using weird aero chain ring it's a benefit is is do you know off the top of your head if a aero one by chain ring is actually more aero than faster yes you can even buy chain ring covers to cover your existing chain ring which is worth a few watts so yes and people will do it in the grand scheme of things it's not worth that much but when you're an elite top-end professional yeah, exactly athlete, you yeah. care about average person there's no, there's yeah. no reason to but you you yeah if you want that game that is one because it's the surface isn't it so should more of us be riding one by um all of my personal bikes are one by gravel road and mountain you are a strong cyclist um, don't, don't challenge me on that. What? Don't challenge me on that. My point with that is, if you're strong, you can ride one by on basically any conditions. Uh, I think even if you are not strong, you can put on a smaller chain ring and ride pretty much everything you want to. I think... Remove when... pretty much from that. You can ride anything you want to. You just might spin out on a really fast descent. And people, I think there's a lot of people that think they need really, really big gears to get down the descent when actually they don't end up pedaling anyway. So it's like they think they want to, but they don't. I never pedal on the descent. There you go. Most people are descending like you. Well, yeah. They don't need, yeah. So. And I'm sure you do most of the time. Most of the time, yeah. I might, the, the one by would get me in trouble if I went on a road ride with Tony and we were with five other guys and we were yeah we were pushing it down a descent and then suddenly the riders are riding away from you or if you're in a race the, the race can ride ride away from you yeah. down a descent and you haven't got the gears that's the situation where you need it but in terms of actually spinning out i mean we should try it on i have a rotor group set with 46 two chain ring uh and only an 11 because that's the smallest you can get on that group set on the back I bet if we go outside and we try and spin out, you're going really fast. Well, It'll yeah, be like 45 mile an hour. Of course you will. Maybe faster. It's, it's definitely... You're, you're into aero tuck uh, 
you know, if you're on your own. That's not to say if you're riding with other people, if you're doing a chain gang or something like that, then you 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 might start struggling. So I, th I think I think the thing with one buy is the optimum way of running one buy is if you're buying it fresh and you're considering the chain ring and the cassette size when you do that. Yeah. I think some people when they think of one buy, they go, well, I've just lost I've just lost gears. Mm. Because you've taken my Mac away, but I've got the same tooth. I've got the same chainring on the front, or a similar chainring on the front. Therefore, all of a sudden, I don't have easier gears, or the other way around, I don't have harder gears. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think typically what happens. So if Nick is building um, a, a customer bike, which is a road bike, and it's one bike, it's going to have very different gear ratios to someone that is buying a two by bike or is buying a one by gravel bike. Mm -hmm. It all comes down to gear ra ratios at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. On that topic, SRAM is much better than Shimano for those ratios. Right. Because not only do they have the Explore uh, like gravel group set, yeah. which is big range anyway, but then you can start introducing the Eagle mechs, the mountain bike mechs. Yeah, yeah. So if you buy a mountain bike mech, then suddenly you can run a 1052 cassette, which is absolutely ludicrous. Or even third party, you can get a nine tooth. I can't remember the name of the brand. It's like E something. Uh, they do a nine tooth sprocket on the end of their cassette so you get 952 which is bonkers range and then you could have anything on the front you wanted so i use the same cassette on my mountain bike which has 34 tooth chain ring and then i switch it onto my gravel bike same wheel uh same uh, cassette sorry and it's on a 46 tooth or even a 50 tooth yeah. if you want to go faster and it's way enough gears yeah the, I, the, that compatibility and it be able to switch up SRAM has definitely got that they've nailed that it's, it's really good I have to say where I don't like so on my gravel bike I've now got outrageous gearing so I've got a mullet setup with a, a mountain bike rear mech yeah, yeah. But I've got a what what is it 11 10 1050 or whatever 1050 or 1052 yeah what I uh, what I definitely do notice on that bike is the jump between the the cassette is huge it's too much for you it is it is big yeah and but it's fine yeah like you can always work it out i think if i'm in like roadie mode if you're like plowing it down a road and you just can't quite get your cadence where you mm -hmm. want it mm -hmm. but then i just go oh well it doesn't matter i'll just slow down a bit yeah 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 i don't need to go fast on that bike ever. speed up a bit well yeah but but, but i wouldn't <laughs> because then that's that's like I don't need you're to right, you're right. yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 in, I'm out to go, well, oh yeah, it's feel good. So I just- Yeah, I mean, you're not gonna, you, you, again, to go back to the, the sort of pace line idea, you, know, you wouldn't want to ride one of those cassettes with, the, with a slightly bigger gap in between in a pace line or in a race. Like it just, it would just be a bit, it would be annoying. Yeah. So, you know, look at the riding that you're gonna be doing. And if it's flat and around town with maybe a couple of other people and you're all kind of the same speed, the one was probably fine. I know people... Uh, bike pack the one by. I rode all the way through Spain. I rode the biggest, uh, the highest through road in Spain, I believe, which is Calo Alta. Um, you go up to these observatories. I was with Chris and it's a huge climb. And I took the road to one by up there and then had a great time on the descent on the way down. Well, I think one, I think one by really lends itself to bikepacking. I think we are going to see some one by this year though. Mm -hmm. I don't know when. Because like, marketing. I think yeah, I think the manufacturers are going to go and where can we where can we squeeze this in? Yeah, there's definitely I think there'll be a feature on it for any time trial stages, mm -hmm. and I wonder if there's a stage in there somewhere where they're going to be like because um, sometimes they have like a gravel stage or or not a gravel but like a cobbly stage or something that's a bit more um, eventful 
like they might be looking at maybe squeezing in one by there. And I think the manufacturers will make a, a big song and dance about it as well. Mm -hmm. Because for whatever reason, they want people on one bike. I guess because then they might buy another bike. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners take over. This is the section where we answer some of the questions that you send us. Our first question is from Joe, and he's asking what we think about the GCN bike build for under $1,000 video or series that came out recently. Uh, I understand that this was a three-part series where the presenter was making a bike, building up a bike for under a grand. The reason it's a bit controversial is he acquired some of the parts that he just had lying around. Um, and the most controversial of that was a Durace crank that as part of the build, he valued at £100. And it was later um, corrected as actually being more like £400 which is a very significant proportion of that build cost. You actually know this guy, don't you? Yeah, Alex he, Payton. He, yeah. So we used to race together, same team. Which uh, team's that? Uh, Pedal Heaven. Pedal Heaven. Yeah, which then became Canyon, Iceberg, Canyon, you know. The, they had a few different iterations of the yeah. team. Sadly, the team folded at the end of last year or the beginning of this year, which is really sad to see. But yeah, we raced together. He's now a GCN presenter and he did this video and he looks in the video, in this video where he addresses the comments. The barrage of he comments. He looks broken. Um, he just looks sad. He Compared look to sad. how he usually is on camera. So it's like, cool, are you like YouTube commenters? You guys. I think you got a lot of a lot comments. Of, a, lot a lot of, of hate, hate on it. Um, Perhaps rightly so. I can sympathize having raced and then run a cycling YouTube channel that I have the same uh, weird situation of just having Dura-Ace cranks. Like I found a boxed Dura-Ace crank brand new in my loft when I left my old flat. And I honestly couldn't tell you where it was from. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's the level of just stuff you have lying around. Um, identifying the price wrongly, that was his mistake. But I can, I can see you know, why it happens. I get, yeah, I it's guess. It's not deserving of like, is, he's not the devil. I like, guess if the the pricing is correct, it's, it, as long as it is a, a bike for under a thousand pounds. But maybe someone should have checked the video. Sorry? Maybe someone should have checked the video before it went out. Um, maybe they just thought it was good. Good. They have lots of people. Good for the comments. Yeah. Or maybe. They did it on purpose, perhaps. <laughs> oh, conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> if we suddenly do, should we start doing that? No. No. <laughs> Um, I th yeah, I think I think it's maybe uh, I guess a little bit out of touch because mm. if you're building a thousand pound bike, there's basically no scenario that a Durace crank's going on it. Nah, like it's 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 a four hundred pound crank. It's it's ludicrous to think that that would go on that bike. Yeah. Um, to counter that, you can probably get a crank which is almost as good for a hundred pounds from eBay. Like, it's not that much difference. As in not, so, look, here's a the person watching the video trying to make a bike for thousand pounds. Yeah, like, if you were looking at them being, like, picky about it, yes. But is the bike going to be pretty much the same if you put a cheaper crank on? Also, yes. Like, you're going to get still a useful video. Still, yeah. you know, most of it's fine. So, people just get so wound up about these things. It's like, come well, on. Yeah, but he has literally just not done what he said he was going to do. Mm, okay. Why not just do that in the first place and put a, a used Ultegra crank on it for 120 quid or whatever? Yeah, yeah. And then, well. Because okay. making videos videos is really hard and expensive. And, and expensive and like you're thinking about a million things and sometimes you make mistakes. So yeah, I guess in that sense, he'd, perhaps they were trying to 
save some cost. Yeah. But they, they are a very big organisation. I would have thought someone would have just checked it over. Could yeah. we check over our videos? Do There's we? only two of us. Do we? I do. Oh, right. Okay. Good. Good. Oh, that, you do. That, Sometimes you send me a message like, oh, that you probably <laughs> take that thing out in that, in that bit. Because you, you upload videos to YouTube for the audience at home. And they, uh, Jimmy, we have like multiple logins so you can see them all. So once they've been uploaded and they're all scheduled, ready to go. So most of our videos are actually like ready a week before they go live. Yeah. Um, or a few days before. You can have a look from a remote location. Yep. Um, I've got a weird vision of you like in a snow bunker, a remote location. Just, just checking the video. I don't know why you'd be in a snow bunker. Well, I wouldn't have Wi Fi if I did. Yeah. So you're saying that you think it's fine. I'm saying. No, I'm not saying it's fine. I'm <laughs> saying I can sympathize. And there's not many people that can. But being, you know, in the world of elite bike racing, you accumulate and there's no like way to say this like you, uh, you have an insane obscene amount of expensive bike stuff that accumulates and it wasn't like oh look at this guy he's got a dura ace crane it's not like so, you know it's not like it, it's not that like exciting yeah it's just, I, I guess the issue here is you just valued it wrong yeah uh but he did fix it in the next video where he was very sad mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so sad um the next question is from kevin Am I supposed to read it? Would you say AliExpress unbranded carbon wheels are a safe upgrade or should I steer clear? Oh, I actually asked Joe. So I've bought a set of AliExpress super cheap carbon wheels. I think they were just over 200 pounds. So not like not super cheap, but they are four carbon wheels. They are very well priced and they are branded. I asked Joe from China Cycling who's been on, um, you know, he's, he has his YouTube channel. He was on the Nero show recently chatting about bike stuff. We've talked about him in a video before. He lives in China and he acts, acts as an agent for some Chinese companies that are making products, uh, cycling products. And he was like, he would probably steer clear of the completely unbranded stuff. The named brands, and he gave me a list. I can't, I don't have them to hand right now. Uh, there was a few cheaper options there. One of them being the wheels that we've actually got. So right. stay tuned to this channel, subscribe, check out the uh, YouTube videos if you're watching this on uh, Spotify or whatever. And we will give you an example of some carbon wheels which actually are considered safe. Whether they're fast or good is another question. Good, excellent. So, yeah. Uh, oh, we have another question from Kevin. Which electronic group set is better? SRAM Rival ETAP or Shimano 105D or DI2, um, and are there anything on, is there any on, anything on AliExpress that's coming through that can rival these? Oh, cool. Um, I haven't used Shimano 105 DO2. I've seen it. Um, I think it's going to be a very good group set, but it's oddly expensive. I've used SRAM Rival ETAP, and it's very good. For me, currently, the perfect place in terms of valuing group set is... SRAM Rival ETAP. It's very good modern technology. It's it's heavy, but it's not too heavy. The weight is fine. It functions really well. It's durable. For me, the winner at the minute is Rival ETAP. Uh, you also have the compatibility with the gravel stuff, like the Explore stuff. It's moving. Whereas the Shimano one is kind of, I mean, it is a road group set. Um, what is the price of Shimano 105 tour speed? On paper, it's something like eighteen hundred pounds. I don't know what you can get it for. 
Okay. You have to also factor in that if you're buying one of five DI2, you're very likely also paying a professional mechanic to install it for you. Uh, Sigma Sports has it for £1,299. That's not, bad. not too bad. Mm-hmm. And that's without rotors, but everything else. I saw Nick... Whereas the rival one, what you could buy that for about... It's about the same price. I think it's probably about... A tiny price. bit less. Tiny bit less. Um, so, I mean, pff, much of a muchness, really. I watched Nick installing a Shimano 105 DI2 group set the other day, and he had the bike on a stand plugged into his workshop computer because he had to upgrade the firmware before it would actually work. Well, so I do that with the SRAM ones as well, although is that a wireless You just go, boop, boop, boop. It's got an app. And and it's it's usually the consumer that does that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Marginally easier to install if you've got the wireless one, I guess, as well. Isn't there an AliExpress group set coming soon, an electric one? Or is it, how, or is it already been launched? It's L2, isn't it? Yeah. GC Performance, guy on YouTube, shout out GC Performance. He has one right. already in the box, ready to go. So he's going to do his outdoor test soon. Right. Where's our one? Please. Have, have you tried to get one? Yeah, I've been chatting to the guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, guys, you've been asking for us to test the new wireless is it wireless no it's just electric it's not wireless electric l2 hydraulic group set erx it's called and uh yeah we're trying to get hold of the guy do you to know, send us it do you know how much it is by any chance mm, no i would imagine it's going to be under rival and 105 di2 pricing um you can just keep talking and you're going to find out and i'm going to find out because <laughs> i did actually look at it i sent you a screenshot do you remember I think it's about like I want to buy it. I think it's about eight hundred ninety pounds. See, this is saying six hundred and fifty dollars. Oh wow! Uh, but no, there's no import costs. There never is. They, I think they'd be they're sneaky about it. So, so, so the ERX here, this is costs. this is um, no because they they never they obviously send it as a gift or something and then you end up not having to pay. From they do something from their end and you, I ordered so much stuff from AliExpress. Unless in two years' time, I'm getting a bunch of letters through the door. I, I wouldn't... I think it's probably b- officially... There should be import. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want it with a battery, which you obviously do, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess that's if you wanted to buy two and move the battery in between bikes, £633. But that's only shifters, mechs, and calipers. So no BB, no chain, yeah, no chain set. It, so that that it's it's actually edging on the price. It's about, it's about, about the same price. This is what Nick was saying about the um, the other mechanical group sets. Once you add in all of those things, yeah. if you want good quality ones, it's going to cost you the same as one hundred five. But this people what one hundred five isn't desirable, is it? It just looks like I mean even rivals. Like if if I was like one hundred five rival, same price, rival, because it looks cooler. One of five something about right, it, man. like it, it, it's got better. It's it's like super stealthy. It's all black. It's but, they, but they but they purposefully don't make it as nice looking as the as Altegra or Dura is. It's the same shape now, though, isn't it? Same shape, but the the logos and everything, like it's that stuff. It's the design work they've done on it. It just I, doesn't look quite. I think it's quite good. nice. Okay. I I think 
My go-to is SRAM, SRAM Rival ETAP at the minute because I've used it. It works really well, and it's very simple. You, it just everything just bolts off and bolts on, and it yeah. just just knowing there isn't all of those extra cables just makes me feel like, well, this is this is easier just to do stuff with. And it's move around, change bike, whatever. It's that compatibility you know? thing with it again with the I know going back to the mountain bike uh, eagle mix mullet style group set. You can just put the what did we do? We just bought some rival levers yep. to convert my... We were like, oh, the bike's not completely... You know, I, I needed the red shifters for something else, yep. for a road build. And then all we had to do to change that was just get a couple of rival levers and they came with the calipers and it was like really Which affordable. Are oddly cheap. Yeah, oddly well. cheap, yeah. Considering what they are. And it's all 12-speed, just works, plug it in, boop, done. I mean, I would choose... I'd choose the rival there we go. between those two. Uh, if you have any questions or stories you want to send us, send them to wildonespodcast at cademedia.co.uk. We are going to introduce a new section called Overrated or Underrated. It's almost going to be like a quiz, so it's not in any kind of detail. We're not going deep deep diving into these. Hey, quizzes. And we're going to run through some stuff, and we're going to comment on whether we think they're overrated or not. The first one, in line with the rest of this episode, one by, is it overrated or underrated? Uh, overrated for racing, underrated for normal people riding bikes. Oh, I hate how good that answer is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't add any more to that. So yes, correct. Well done. Tick. Thank you. I, I <laughs> you one win. point in the quiz. <laughs> Next one. Uh, new Shimano, Claris, and Sora. Underrated. Well, you say new. They've been out for a while, but the newest version of those. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. They both have reach adjustment. There. I mean, Sora is considered a mid-range group set by, um, by Shimano. So people underestimate how good Sora is in so, particular. So you're saying they're underrated? Underrated. Yes, I agree. People like turn their nose up at them when actually you could ride. I'd do a ride with Tony on a, on a set of Sora. Sora? Yeah, fine. It's very good. It has reach adjustment. It looks cool. It's nice and ergonomic. The in cables go in. Here's a quick question. Yeah. Would you pick one of those over 105D02? No. Okay, cool. Um... Fled gravel bars, overrated. One hundred percent overrated. They're pointless. Uh, some I, people no, because there's some people will like using them because they don't have a mountain bike, but they want to ride stuff, which is ridiculously over like underbikes. Like Nick, people don't use the drops. You know, it's not using the drops; it's the width, isn't it? It's so the flared like so they go super wide, and then they have to flare, make them flared. Otherwise, you end up with wrist, shoulder, pain, back pain. So, like so from pain. that, you're getting like the flared hand position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so I'm thinking just the like drop is flared. Oh, the drop is flared. Yeah, that annoys me. I don't like having the flare on my gravel bike. I wish it was just a straight drop. <laughs> because on my gravel bike, I want to, you know, like unbound. I'm like, okay, well, I'll get into a more aero position just so I can ride this bit slightly easier. And then I put my hands down and then I'm really wide. But I'm like, ah, oh, that's annoying. I just saw a picture of Alex Dowser who was doing a gravel race. And he's Mr. Aero. And he had a really wide drop handle where he's sat there in the drops. He's probably thinking, fuck my life. Overrated. Overrated. Agreed. Mm -hmm. um, oval chain rings. Overrated. Having said that, I raced those for two seasons in the Nationals, like against Garen Thomas. I didn't beat him, but if you, they were if, fine to race. If it was item. not an oval chain ring, perhaps you would have beat Garen Thomas. Uh, it, true, true. Let's go with that. So massively overrated. I would have been a pro. 
I actually think that they are neither overrated or underrated. I think some people just know of them and other people don't. I, I don't ever hear people like overly patriotic or shouting about oval chain rings that much. Mm. They, when they came out, there was always a... Um, we used to sell Q rings at the shop that I did, uh, that I worked at. And I rode Osymmetrics, which are way more angular. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that Bradley Wiggins, uh, Chris Froome won the Tour de France using. This, and they would have like these power claims of like 3% more power or stuff like that. Still, there's never, there's not been any like proof all these years later. Well, now I think they're overrated. But they're Based definitely on like, you so, drop your chain. So thank you for that information. Yeah. Overrated. Shifting was crap. Overrated. Uh, electronic shifting. Underrated. Underrated. It is phenomenal. Yeah, I, hate, really I hate how good it is. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah, uh, I, yeah I, I was I was very resistant. To you didn't want it to be good. No, no I like well, no, I kind of knew it was going to be good, and I was putting myself off. Because now, it's when unbelievably reliable, I have never had a like a battery fail or a, a, a motor in the mech fail, or it's never stopped working. Ever. It, it just works. It just it? works. There's it, like borrow from uh, uh, Hernhill Velodrome is riding around the world right now yeah. in some pretty remote locations. He's got SRAM SRAM Force. You tap wireless. It's, pretty, it's just reliable. The caveat is you don't need it, but it is so much better than you think it's going to be. Mm -hmm. It is good. Um, oh, but it is really expensive. You've seen the next one: keto diets. Do you want to explain what a keto diet is? A keto diet is a diet which is extremely low in carbohydrates, uh, so high in fats. Uh, and protein so you're eating i don't know exactly the the percentage or the oh, amount yeah, of calories yeah, it has to be but essentially it puts your body into a ketogenic state which means you can which you you produce your body produces ketones which you use as fuel so it's, it's a it's an energy source for your body essentially yeah um i think that it is incredibly overrated and i think people think that it is uh, some kind of like mystical power for becoming a better athlete and I think it's just a fad diet that is different from using ketones as essentially a supplement for performance oh well the ones so we did a video on this a while back where you can drink keto, the ketone yeah. and then you have kind of that is fuel, a different thing source, so I'm different not thing. talking about that yeah yeah, I remember there, there, there were some like people who are following keto diets tweeting about this athlete who broke, like it was like our record or something like that. It was a big deal. Yeah. And she had used, she was drinking ketones and the person's like, the power of ketones, you should be on a keto diet. But it's, it wasn't. The problem wasn't on a keto diet. Exactly, yeah. The person was very unlikely to be on a ketone diet, but was using ketones as a supplement. Yeah. So in, in, in no study ever has a ketogenic diet outperformed a carbohydrate fact or, or speculation no fact okay in cool. no study ever yeah i i didn't um, i can't imagine has it outperformed fueling probably with carbs is what will told me so uh nutritionist for ef pro cycling yeah and you know phd and so yeah overrated yep final one on the list uh bivy bags bivy bags a, a bivy bag we've slept in a bit well we in two bivy bags not the same <laughs> We slept in two bivy bags. Can you imagine? It would be so close. But did, you borrowed my bivy bag, didn't you? Yeah. They're like the blushest ones oh, in the world. You, that was mint. It's so a normal bivy bag is just like a, uh, a, a human 
sacked exactly. which you get into and you wear a sleeping bag underneath but it protects you from the elements and usually just has a little face hole yeah your ones were amazing Upgame yours ones. and Emily's and they have like a, a a mini tent around your head so yeah. it's elevated and then a net to stop the bugs coming in and yep. stuff uh, however even that one too no. hot horrible horrible so overrated over I would say overrated. Sleeping, I sleeping in a bush in general overrated sleeping outdoors when bikepacking overrated <laughs> always stay at a hotel at a, a B&B <laughs> there's the option <laughs> always mm. yeah I, I've never had I've slept in a few bushes and, <laughs> and I always had a terrible time yeah same never never has it been good actually you said to me once the, the key to it is do it so long that you're so tired that actually it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, there reaches a point where anywhere is fine. Well, yeah, then you don't yeah. need a bivvy. Because no. you're just like, I could do this now with the podcast because it's just been sleep. such a long podcast. I can just sleep. Yeah, I can sleep. Yeah, right okay. Now. Go on, yeah. do it then, I dare you. Uh, Matt Falconer, he used to do, he uh, came top four TCR. Maybe Otherwise higher. known as fourth. Maybe no, fourth. I don't think he's pod... Or maybe higher. Anyway. He's phenomenal. Ultra cycling beast. He uh, swears by the catnap. So he'll be at... Um, a table in a cafe yep. halfway through Montenegro somewhere and he swears by just having little sleeps of like so he puts his head on the table and then because he's on a table and it's not very comfortable he knows he'll wake up 20 minutes later and then he can go so cool. back in my ultra marathon days and long distance stuff days there was loads of studies that people were working on which are exactly that so a lot of the ultra distance runners like the runners where they're doing like you know 600 mile runs They'll do everything on twenty minutes power nap. Really? They they so the and then, and then occasionally like... like an hour or here or there. But like for regular twenties, six hundred miles. Oh, just like like the the big stuff, the stuff okay. where they're running for days. Okay. Um, this day, Jack did one hundred and seven miles, and that was Jack from Garmin. Yeah. Shout out Jack from Garmin. One hundred and seven miles, one hundred and six miles, uh, and that was multiple days of running. Yeah, there, that, definitely that whole night in between. He would have done that continuous though, presumably. He might have had like a... But a couple of little naps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like, for, there's a movement in the ultra triathlon space. Um, it's a company called... I can't even remember what they're called. I want to do an ultra, but uh, it would definitely be... So, Matt Pritchard, originally in Dirty Sanchez. His old coach was the same coach as mine. So, I as if Pritch from Dirty Sanchez is now an ultra distance athlete. About five years ago, he did a lot of long distance stuff. Uh, one of the events I went down and, and hung out with him at, he was doing a triple Ironman, but as a continuous. So a continuous swim, continuous bike, and then a continuous run. Right, got you. Yeah. And you just sleep whenever you want to sleep. Uh, at the same event, they were also doing deckers where you do it 10. So either an Ironman every day for 10 days or the continuous swim, the continuous bike, continuous run. But there was also someone there doing a 300-mile run on the same run track that they use that is one mile long. So I'm there in, at, at the camp, at Pritchard's camp, you know, waiting for him to come around, asking what he wants next, some mango or whatever. You're mates with Pritch from Dirty Sanchez. <laughs> um, and this guy, you know, he just run around. He's doing one mile loops for 300 loops. And, and I remember at the time, because Pritchard was doing it because his coach, Mark Whittle, was telling him what to do. And there was just regular 20-minute naps. Because, you know, you get to a point where you're just knackered. You can easily just sleep whenever. And, yeah, yeah, and that yeah, was yeah. the thing. So you just go, like, get, get him in the back of the van, 20 minutes. Right, get him back out again. Yeah. It's a good one. Mm. Not bivvy bags, though. I want, Overrated. I want to do an ultra run. 
not cycling. I've kind of done ultra cycling to an what I haven't done an official race, but I've done you know five hundred k one day, that kind of thing. So yeah. it's a long way that will be considered ultra. Running, I'd like to do an ultra marathon, which officially is considered anything longer than a marathon. Officially, yeah. Uh, however, that's not really. If you did twenty seven. 20 you know what is it 26.2 if you did 26.3 miles it's not really an ultra is it they usually start at 50 kilometers which is i don't even know what that 30 is. something miles 30. Yeah. yeah so so it's it's not a huge amount more than a marathon but it's more mm-hmm. uh but typically the 50ks will be like you've got to self-navigate or it'll be off-road off-road or something and not all of them some of them will be road but like a lot of the ultra stuff again because it's such a huge distance you know it's not going to be like a closed road race like london marathon is it's going to be trails and yeah, paths yeah, 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 and yeah. and you know roads that you wouldn't necessarily um mm. think of running 100 miles yeah. on the reason i like the idea of it is it's, it's safer so i'm a bit apprehensive about doing an ultra race with the amount of accidents people have mm-hmm. uh particularly at night yeah and that pressure to be because you're you're you are tired inevitably you end up tired and then you're on a road Whereas if you're running, you're probably not going to be in as dangerous of a position, assuming the run isn't along the side of a road. I hope you can find ones that aren't. I have done multiple ultras. Yeah. And I roads. love it. Oh, you like it? Uh, it, is, it is just... So what's the furthest you'd run? Not hundreds, hundreds of miles. Uh, it was the Brecon Ultra Marathon. So it's, it's two 26-mile loops of the Brecon Beacons. So the reason it's... Well, there's two reasons it's unbelievably hard. One, it's in November. So it's it starts at 6 a.m. in November. It's pitch black. Um, it's incre- unbelievably hilly. So it's like, it isn't just a, a casual, you know, double marathon. It's like, it's brutal. Yeah. Uh, I ended up not finishing it because my leg blew to bits. And I was like, I refused to quit. And then I kept going. And then I ended up on the side of this mountain with no one anywhere near me for like a couple of hours because it was that kind of like blown up the course. Um, and I was just like, fuck, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to phone the bloody like air ambulance to, yep. to take me off the mountain. In reach. So it took, it took me about three hours to cover about two miles because it was just up the side of a mountain, back down the other side to a checkpoint. I was like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to have been this one. So I've always wanted to go back and do it again. But yeah, this, there is something, there is something special about that and i think it's the same as doing the cycling stuff yeah you know there's there's just that thing you just get into a state where it's just like magical Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's in theory safer off road meditative yeah i didn't think we'd be talking about running today no next week a little (laughs) (laughs) better than that already better than the running shows podcast put that in (laughs) fuck up of the week my favourite section, and one that I think we need to write a theme tune for. Fuck up of the week. Please never do that again. We're going to put that in every single week now. So what is it? What is the fuck up of the week, Francis? For me, isn't it? I lost my bike. I flew back from uh, LA after Unbound. I flew to LA afterwards, and then flew back from LA, got to Heathrow, missed my flight, stood in a queue for four hours. They said my bike was not going to go to Newcastle and it was going to get put on my plane and I got there and it was lost. It's still lost. You're going to give me a call. So, so yeah. Quite a few days now. So 
your connection from Heathrow to Newcastle mm -hmm. was delayed. Mm -hmm. No, my first flight was delayed because oh. there was something wrong with the left phalange. No, there was something wrong with the uh, cockpit. There was some like... That doesn't sound good. They need engines. I know. I was thinking like, oh, do I actually want to be on this plane? It took them about an hour and a half to fix it before we then took off. Yeah. And they came back twice. So they were like, oh, we're going to leave in 10 minutes. Like, it's all fixed. Leave in 10 minutes. And they went back on it and then they had to do it again. So, yeah. We perhaps should have put a trigger warning on it for plane anxiety. I miss my flight. Every day it's the, it's the connection back to whenever I fly back to London and go to Newcastle, miss my flight. So, where? so you did miss it. Yeah. So the first one was delayed, and as a result of the first one being delayed, the next one was missed, exactly, yeah. which meant that your bike ended up in no man's land. They didn't know what to do with it, yeah. And you currently don't know where it is. No. You need to get one of those little tag things, and then you can tell them where it is. I didn't borrow one from Cade Media. It's fine. One what? Bike. Okay. The Kaflin one. They're gunshots outside. I think so. Mm. Signaling that they found your bike. Now for some good news. Hi Francis and Jimmy. Hello. Three mates and I are doing another stupid borderline payful 12 hour turbo cyclothon to raise money for Lister neonatal unit where our children were looked after. Our awesome little dudes and dudettes were born between 26 and 32 weeks. So far we've managed to raise a fair few quid which has enabled the unit to extend the family area. Our next event will be in September, this time with the aim of improving uh, the rooms used when parents prepare to take their incredibly preterm babies home. It's the first time you get to have them not hooked up to God knows how many monitors and to actually leave the confines of the ICU or special care baby unit for the first time. We're looking to raise £60,000 this time, it's a lot of money, to continue to make things that little bit less stressful for parents during what is an emotional roller coaster. There's something about seeing someone suffer for a cause that seemingly makes people dip their hand into their pocket, so we're hoping that will be the case again. That's from Andy, Glyn, Pete, and Andy. Is that a mistake, or is there two Andys? Two Andys. Two Andys. Uh, we'll put a link in the description for anyone who wants to donate, and best of luck to those guys. That's definitely... They have hit the nail on the head. If you're a cyclist, you know that is going to be unpleasant. Mm -hmm. You've done a couple of little, well turbos, long, long turbo, yeah. oh, the worst. That is that is going to, going to be unpleasant. But my one also raised loads of money, so it was worth it. So hopefully the same thing happens here then. Mm -hmm. So hopefully the the suffering of Andy Glynn, Pete, and Andy is going to raise a load of money and they can get what they want. So yeah, good luck, maybe. Caps. Good luck, and as Francis said, get donating. That is the end of this episode. Uh, remember you can send us your good news stories, questions and other comments to wildonespodcast at cademedia.co.uk If you watch the podcast on YouTube, please subscribe and if you're listening, make sure to hit the follow so you know when the next episode comes out and see you next time. Goodbye! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.